Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply pre-gaming the workouts that are going to begin here in less than one hour we also got a lot of measurables today for the wide receiver class in particular that's our our main focus is going to be during the show obviously for the Patriots and their needs in this draft not really a quarterback draft for the Patriots certainly not a tight end draft for New England either so it's going to be a big emphasis on wide receivers all weekend long for the Patriots, but especially tonight when we get to see some people run. I want to start here with the measurables that came out. And uh, we were talking about this before we hit hit uh, record or hit live here. And that is how small <laughs> some of these wide receivers are in this class. Really at the top of the class in particular is what I'm talking about. Outside of Drake London and Traylon Burks, this is a pretty marginal class in terms of height weight that sort of thing a bunch of guys coming in under 190 that are going to be interesting to the Patriots uh, Chris Olave Garrett Wilson uh, Jahan Dotson under 180 uh, Jamison Williams although he's recovering from that ACL surgery so maybe he dropped a few pounds because he's not lifting right now coming in at 179 uh, John Mechie 187 so all these guys under 190 that tells me although we're not going to see the Bama guys here tonight the 40 yard dash times for all these guys that are under a buck 90 in terms of weight are going to be critical and you can throw Wandell Robinson in there as well from Kentucky who is 5'8 175 180, 178 178 right so all of these prospects are relying on speed and separation right those are the two things that these guys all these guys are going to live on they're not going to be contested catch guys they're not going to be guys that overpower people they're going to be people that run by people or run away from defensive backs didn't we know that though and i mean yeah the guys are kind of smaller than maybe you'd like to see but I, I don't think that's really a, in terms of, yeah, they're going to have to play as guys who get separation in their routes, run away from defenders with the ball in their hands, make tacklers miss, not breaking tackles. Didn't we kind of know that about the receivers in this class? Like, I don't, again, it, it's a little surprising just how small some of these guys really are. It seemed like everybody's listed weight came down and it always comes down. You know, size always right. comes down when you get this official measurement. Seemed like a little more than usual this year. But that doesn't surprise me. I think we kind of knew that this was who this group was. They're small, shifty, get them in the open field receivers. So I'm not going to put a ton of stock into it until we have the full picture, like you said, with the 40 times. But, you know, I wasn't coming into this thinking, oh, man, maybe John Mechie can be a jump ball downfield. Like, I I never had that expectation for him. So it doesn't really change the way I looked at it. 
Fair enough. I think the one thing that you do have to point out as it pertains to what we're going to see here with the 40s is that if you're going to be, let's say, Chris Olave, who's 187 pounds, I think is what he, or maybe it was 189. I should, I'll, I'll put these up so I get these Something all right. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, he was 187. I was right the first time. Under 190 pounds, 187 pounds. If you run anything over like a 4.45, at 40 at that size, your projection to the NFL, just based off of past comparables, is not very good. I, you, there's just not a lot of guys that weigh in at 187 that run a four or five that end up being good NFL wide receivers. So there is a pretty big threshold, I would say, for these guys. You mentioned that a lot of people came in underweight. I think Traylon Burks was listed in some places as much as 230, 235 pounds. He came in at 225. The one guy that seemed to add weight was Drake London at a U.S. A lot of people thought might be 205, 210. He comes in at 219. So a lot of talk about numbers and measurables here. That's what the combine is all about. But I do think it's interesting that outside of those two guys, London and Burks, this is pretty much a separation class. This is a route running speed separation type of group. And as we roll this forward to the Patriots, I don't think that's a bad thing for New England, nope. right? The guys that are the size speed guys, if everybody in the first round was 6'4", 225 pounds, I would be more concerned about their ability to draft and project one of those guys than I am with an Olave or a Jamison Williams or even Garrett Wilson if he makes it there to 21. These are the types of guys that the Patriots want, the Patriots need, is people that can run routes, get in and out of their breaks, and create separation down the field. Yeah, no, this is it, it's the exact kind of receiver they need. Again, I think this this works out for them with these kind of players. It's also guys that um, are going to step in and probably have more success in their system. Alave being the main example of that, the shining example of that. So it's you know it it couldn't be more tailor made this year for them to take a receiver, which obviously means they won't. But you could not have a better say in it for in for a number of reasons. The way this class is set up, you could not have a better situation for the Patriots who need who, you know, to take a receiver high in the draft. Yeah. The one guy that I will say that this is a little bit troublesome for me in terms of weight is Jahan Dotson from Penn State, who I don't think they were going to draft anyway, because they have that thing about Penn State anyways. Right. But he's 178 pounds. And the one thing you definitely see on his tape is getting jammed up by press coverage, right? An inability with his upper body strength and his smaller frame to get off of physical coverage, especially at the line of scrimmage. I think that's reflective on his tape. Now he weighs in under 180 pounds. If he doesn't absolutely fly in the 40-yard dash tonight, then I think his projection to the NFL gets a little bit murky. But the topic of the day really has nothing to do with the Patriots in Indy right now is uh, obviously Kenny Pickett's hand size, right? And how much does this actually matter? Eight and a half inch hands for Kenny Pickett, probably for most people, the consensus quarterback one, this is not a good quarterback draft. This is not a, this is not like last year where we have uh, Mac Jones. Did you see what I just grabbed? Oh, I did. Trey Lance, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, this quarterback class is not very good, but what are your reactions to how much this actually matters? Because if you look at things, 
in, in one way, I do think that it's opportunity, right? If you measure in small, then maybe you're not going to have the opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL because people are going to write you off right away. But at the same time, the only guy I think that I saw was under eight and a half inch hands or eight and a half and under that succeeded in the NFL was Michael Vick, who obviously did it with his legs He's as much right. as with his arm. So with Kenny Pickett being a pocket passer, who is going to survive winning basically with accuracy and mental acumen similar in some ways to Mac Jones. Uh, he comes in with eight and a half inch hands and go right ahead and boast about how big your hands are. So, Alex. No, just, just, it's not boasting. Cause they it's, it's, this is the measurement, right? It's you stretch it out as much as you can. Right. I got to kind of move my mic here tip to tip, and it's, right. it's thumb to pinky. Right. So right. I have just over nine inch hands. Apparently I have like, if we do this here, Get to the tip. Like I'm right at, I can't do that. I'm like, it's, it's this thumb back here. I'm like right at nine. Right. Right. Um, I can't grip football very well. All things considered an NFL size football. Um, I think the hand thing at times could be overblown when Burrow came in at nine and people were freaking out about it. I thought that was a little bit much, but I get the historical precedent. Like you mentioned for a quarterback with eight and a half inch hands, I think the, it, it said the the tweet I saw the same tweet you did the last quarterback with eight and a half inch hands to have success was Michael Vick. So there may have been guys before him that doesn't make it much better, right? And there's a reason he wears gloves when he plays. It's to get a better grip on the football. There's a number of reasons why that's going to be less realistic in the NFL. You play later into the year, wetter conditions. He struggled right. this year at the Senior Bowl in that in that practice that was in the rain. And that's probably part of it. So I'm not saying it means you you definitely don't take him, right? I'm not saying it disqualifies him from playing in the NFL, but it is a legitimate concern, if, especially if you're a team that doesn't have an offensive line. He fumbled 26 times in his college career. That's a significant number, 26 times. You can't have him getting hit because he's going to put the ball on the ground. So that, to me, is the significance of it. it like, again, I normally think this stuff is overblown with the hands, this is such a – the number is so extreme, though, that I think you do have to consider it a little bit in his evaluation. Yeah, and he was pretty much avoiding measuring his hands up until this point. Right. right. At the senior bowl, he wouldn't do it. He was it. supposedly Other... doing exercises to make oh, – to, yeah. to increase his flexibility and make him grow. Oh, I, I believe it. Now, I think the, the thing that – how this relates to the Patriots – I'm going to need your hand measurement, by the way, at some point. Yeah, somebody said uh, I, I have I have seven inches. Uh, I'm not going to make the joke. All right, moving on. Uh, we can talk about how this pertains to the Patriots, though, when it comes to quarterbacks. And I tweeted out earlier, you made a good point. Well, they don't need a quarterback in this bad quarterback class, so that's probably a good thing. But the other thing that I would say is that nobody else is going to draft. There, there's not going to be five quarterbacks off the board in the first 20 picks, right? I think in other years – you would be lucky that let's say you had the 21st pick last year and you have five quarterbacks go in the first 15 picks. Some of these talented players that are non-quarterbacks fall to you at 21. Now, I don't think the Patriots are going to have quite that luxury that maybe in past years that a Garrett Wilson falls in your lap, for instance, because five quarterbacks go or a franchise left tackle falls in your lap because of five quarterbacks going in the top 15 or whatever the case may be. So as a Patriots uh, angle here, does it worry you at all that a lot of non QBs are going to fly off the board in the first 20 picks before the Patriots go? Because Willis, I think is, 
turning a lot of heads in Indianapolis. He's probably going to be a top 20 pick. Pickett, I still think, has a chance to be there in the top half of the first round. Maybe Corral, uh, but Corral's tape is really up and down. But this is not a good quarterback class, so I I don't think that you're going to get anywhere more than three if you do get to three in the top 20. Yeah, I don't know if worry is the right word, but it's, I mean, it, the, the way the board shakes out this year is interesting. There's a lot of players we've talked about, Malave, Booth, maybe Jordan Davis, who right. are kind of right in that range when you rank them on the big board, not a mock draft, the big board. Now, the big board doesn't really have quarterbacks in front of any of those guys. If we're talking raw talent, ranking the prospects, maybe you throw Malik Willis ahead of those guys. And I know some people have that. Um, I don't have any quarterbacks above those guys. I don't. So, it's different when you go into a mock draft because now you start to weigh the value of positions. Now you right. start to weigh the value of that. I, the, the interesting thing to me here. And so I'm looking at the consensus mock right now, by the way, they have three quarterbacks with first round grades. They have four first rounders in the mock in Pickett, Willis, Corral and Hal. And please, please let Matt Corral and Sam Hal go in the first round. I would right. love to see what a mess that is. I, I like Carson strong better than those guys. I don't know that he has the floor they do, but it, you know, if we're all gonna gonna go nuts over Josh Allen, there's a little bit of Josh Allen in Carson Strong's day. Now, Josh Allen came a long way from where he was entering the draft, but Carson Strong kind of has that grip and rip it mentality. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. As I look at this, as as I look at this class, I just don't know. And here's the interesting way to 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 kind of put it next to everything, and this is what we talked about last year. Well, why would you, why are you so high on Mac Jones? He's the fifth best quarterback in the draft. It's all relative. And this is a great example of it, of how it's all relative. Where would you put, let's not even do Mac Jones. Where would you put Kyle Trask? If he was in the draft this year, he might be QB one. He's one or two. We'll see what Willis it's tough with Willis. Cause he was at Liberty. He was at a smaller school, right? right. Um, I think the workouts are going to tell us a lot, but I'm taking Trask over Hal. I'm taking him over Corral. I'm taking him over Ritter. I'm taking him over Strong, Zappy, et cetera. Like, it just, it's stacked so weird compared to last year. The one guy I really like out of this group is Ritter, but not in terms of being a top 10 pick. I think Willis is making a very good name for himself in the meeting rooms, certainly talking to NFL execs and things like that. It sounds like he's making a really good impression, especially on the whiteboard, right? When they put him up there and have him draw out plays and reads and figure out what he's looking at on the field. He's somebody that I think is going to end up being up there. You're right, though. If you look at the quarterback class last year, and let's not forget that last year we talked about how great of a quarterback class it was, right? I mean, it was very well known that that was going to be one of the better quarterback classes in quite some time. So I don't think it's much of a surprise. And we also knew that this quarterback class was probably not going to be very good. Everybody last year at this time told us, they, they said to us, oh, well, don't forget about Baker Mayfield or don't forget about Zach Wilson. Like these guys come out of nowhere, right? They're, they're not saying that, right. They're not first round picks. (laughs) And then they have really good years in the fall and they become first round picks. This group went backwards, I would say, in a lot of ways in the fall. And a quarterback class that everybody was kind of lukewarm on becomes even worse because the guys played poorly in, in the fall season. So this is a right. tough one. This is uh, The way I look at it, though, if I'm a, the Patriots is 
I, I do think there is a little bit of we, we've talked about it multiple times. Trading down in the first round, I think, becomes even bigger of a conversation because in this draft with lesser quarterback talent and fewer quarterbacks going ahead of you, there's probably not going to be a ton of great options at 21 that are much different than what they might get if they trade down to the 30s or they trade down to even the 40s. The talent level is probably going to be roughly the same because you're not going to have somebody slip to you, right? You're not going to have a Devin Lloyd fall to you at 21. That that at this point, I think, is completely out of the realm of possibilities and off the table. Maybe Jordan Davis is still there. I think Andrew Booth obviously has a good chance. Chris Olave has a good chance. But I do think that you're going to have to weigh the fact that some of these guys that we've been talking about that could be blue chip type talents are not going to make it there because the quarterbacks aren't going to be flying off the board like they have in years past. The other interesting thing is you hear all these teams talking about, you know, veteran options. And I think the veteran market this year is exploding veteran quarterback market and not even, not even like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's reports out there that teams view Mitchell Trubisky as a possible starter, right? right? So that's going to push that down even further quarterback class in the draft. Right. So that that's going to push these quarterbacks down even further. You look at it. I mean, I'm just looking at the board here. You look at the Broncos at nine who may say, Hey, we have a chance to get a quality player. We don't know when we'll be picking in the top 10 again. Let's take, you know, whoever it is. Let's say they take who are they? They've mocked here. David Ojabo. I think that's a little high for him. But let's say they take David Ojabo at nine and say, hey, we'll go sign Mitch Trubisky. And then next year, you know, either Trubisky works out or next year we draft a quarterback when it's a bigger, better class. Shout out Phil Dracovic. The really interesting thing that could happen. There's two teams picking in front of the Patriots, the Saints and the Steelers at 18 and 20. And you have the Eagles in between them at 19. We're going to, for the sake of this argument, we're going to assume the Eagles aren't taking a first round quarterback. Yeah. You have the Saints and the Steelers. Let's say those are the first two quarterbacks picked. Let's say those are in whatever order, Willis and Ritter, who are, I think, are going to be the first two quarterbacks off the board. All of a sudden, does one of those teams further down that wants a quarterback? Or maybe a team that picked earlier on in the first round that didn't take a quarterback that maybe wants a double dip. Does the value of that pick shoot up? For a team that maybe wants to jump up and get Kenny Pickett or, or, or jump up and get Carson Strong, right? So I, I don't think there's going to be a ton of quarterbacks that go before them. But the flip side of that is I wonder if there could be a situation where the run-on quarterback starts two or three picks before their pick, and that jacks up the value of those pit, of that pick, and maybe you get a team getting really desperate. So I think in years past there's been this – run to the quarterbacks, regardless of what the actual feeling is on the draft eligible quarterbacks to reach on a QB. I actually get the impression that teams are not as eager to reach on quarterbacks as they might've been in past years. The veteran market, like you said, I think is going to be pretty robust. I think there's going to be options there. If you're the Eagles, are you really going to reach on a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett when Russell Wilson might be available, right? Or Deshaun Watson right. might be available if he gets Well, cleared. that also might or, get sorted out before Rogers. the draft. It could. But I think that there that would then take a quarterback team off the board, right, potentially, is if they well, uh, one of those teams go has, goes ahead and makes the trade, then you might not have that option there. I think that the veteran market this year is significantly better and the movement at quarterback is potentially significantly higher than what we've seen in a lot of past years when quarterbacks 
have been reached for, right? When you when they go out there, they draft by 10, 15, 20 spots too high just because of the value of the position. This draft to me feels like we could be seeing – I wouldn't be shocked if we only see two QBs in the first round, right? Maybe one sneaks in at the back end of the first round and it makes it three. But I think that the fact that a lot of teams are going to try to make those moves in the veteran market, you mentioned a guy like a Mitchell Trubisky. I, I think that there's going to be teams that are going to say, kind of like what Carolina did with Sam Darnold in a way, although they did it in the wrong draft, right? It's that right. you go ahead and you take a, a, a gap, right? You take a bridge quarterback, and then you see if you can get the most out of that guy, and then you revisit when the quarterback draft is better. And maybe you give a guy like Mitchell Trubisky a year to see if he's going to be any good because it's better than wasting your fifth overall pick on a quarterback that you know is going to bust in the draft. Well, let's, you know, we're speculating here. Let's do it. Let's run through it. Here we go. You stop me when, when you think one of these or or how we're doing this. All right. So Aiden Hutchinson's going, Evan Neal's going, Thibodeau, Hamilton. uh, Is it Ekwonu? The tackle from NC State. Very good player. Yes. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm going with. (laughs) Okay. Uh, uh, Stingley, Gardner, uh, Karlaftis, Cross, Ojabo. All right. So they have Pickett as 11 on the big board. I want to take a second to shout out our sponsors at betonline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Do we think Kenny Pickett is going 11th? Whatever pick that is. He might. All right. So that's, I just want to see when we get down to 21, how many of these guys are still there. All right. Wilson going. Right. Linderbaum, Burks, Lloyd, London. We still think all these guys are going off the board in this order? I'm, I I think maybe you could see a a guy like, like Linderbaum fall just because of the positional value of a center. Does he fall right? beyond 21 though? I don't think so, but I think he might be in the 20 to 25 range. I'm not saying the Patriots are going to draft the center. I'm okay. just saying. Well, no, I'm trying to see because we're talking about, you know, how much are the quarterbacks going to push players down? How much are the quarterbacks going right. to push top 20 talent out of the top sure. 20? I don't think a quarterback is pushing Tyler Lindbaum out of the top 20. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Malik Willis. Do we think Malik Willis is for sure off the board before 21? Yeah. Okay. Jamison Williams. That's a tough one. He's, I know Adam Schefter reported yesterday that he's ahead of schedule with the ACL rehab based off of the Twitter doctors, right? Doc Chow and those people. Right. It's more like he's on schedule. This ACL rehab, right? Doing the balance boards and things like that this time. He's, saying Jameson that he wants to be back in seven months. 
that's aggressive to push the ACL in seven months, even at this stage when the obviously the uh, the surgeries and the rehabs and all this stuff is so advanced. Uh, get, recovering from ACL surgery in seven months is risky. On top of that, if you're the team drafting him, do you really want him to push the ACL in seven months when you want right. to look at him for a, play, a player that's five, ten years out of the line? So I don't know. It's it, His stock in the top 20 is very, very difficult, but all it takes is one team, and you do have a couple of teams in there Philadelphia potentially that even though they drafted Devontae Smith last year, they might want to draft another receiver and they have two picks in the top 20. Right. Right. So maybe you draft a guy with 15, it's going to help right away. And then you draft Jamison Williams at 16 as kind of your stash first round pick on the upside. The other thing I wonder is does a team that knows they can wait a year, maybe trade up and take him where they don't need him to rush because they're in the stage of rebuild. All right. So Jamison Williams is maybe. Jermaine Johnson, yeah. Florida State. That He's an interesting one to be so high to me because he's not necessarily the first step explosive edge rusher, right? He's not yeah. he's not a guy that I necessarily see in the NFL having double-digit sack season after double-digit sack season. He's more of the type of guy that I see fitting the Patriots in that he's a team player, right? He plays the run really well. He sets the edge. Uh, he's not necessarily... You know, Ajabo, for example, from Michigan, he's much more the athlete that pins his ears back and gets after the quarterback and can put up huge sack totals in the, in the right system. I'm not sure if if Johnson really strikes me as that kind of guy, but you also mentioned uh, Karloftis from Purdue, yeah, who media extremely high on Karloftis, right? Everybody in the media has him as edge two, edge three. Some people even have them above guys like Thibodeau, right? Or Hutchinson. The, it, it feels like based off of when you look at big boards from guys that are plugged in, like Dane Brugler or Todd McShay or people that actually, you know, talk to scouts and execs in the league to build their big boards. He's much further down the board than some of the people like me who just watch the tape, right? And just study these guys and stack them all together. So I don't think the NFL is as high on a guy like Karloftis as maybe draft Twitter or draft media is on him. So I'm interested to see where he ends up going. Okay. So, so he, so you're lukewarm on him. Yeah. And then Kenyon green interior lineman from Texas A&M. Yeah. Again, a really good player, but I, I, I do think in a lot of ways, we're starting to learn a little bit that unless you're Quentin Nelson at guard, right. right unless you're that good that teams I don't feel like are drafting guards that high. I don't know if they're drafting centers that high. It's just, he's a great play. He's a top 20 player in this class as is Linderbaum, right? Those two guys are top right. 20 talents, top 20 tape studies in this class, but our team's going to knock them for being interior offensive linemen. I, I, I think we might be in the day and age where that is the thing, especially in today's NFL where it's all about receivers cornerbacks, pass rushers, and quarterbacks, that, that that position gets knocked down even further than maybe what it did 10 years ago. So to get back to the point of this exercise here. Yes. So we pushed two spots. There were two guys or three guys I think I read that you don't think would go in, in, in the top 21. So we're now at the 21st pick. Right. Here's who's next on the big board. In order. Nicobe Dean, Chris yes. Olave, Trayvon Walker, Jordan Davis, Andrew Booth, jump down two picks, he gets a Trevor Penning. Okay. Those are the names. 
those are the names we're talking about for the Patriots. The question is, okay, how much of what we just read holds true, right? Yeah. Okay, so so Malik Willis. We're not sure Malik Willis's consensus top 21. Cross off to Kobe Dean. Uh, Kenny Pickett was up there because Kobe Dean's a 21, right? He'd be the next right. on the list. Okay, cross off Kenny Pickett. Cross off Kenny Pickett. Now, now there goes Chris Olave. Now Chris Olave's off the board. Who else was there? Jermaine Johnson, you said you weren't sure. Well, there goes Jordan Davis. Kenyon Green, he doesn't go in the top 21. Well, there goes Andrew Booth. So right. that's essentially, when we have this conversation, I feel like it's a very com- complicated conversation we have. And I brought this up because somebody a little further back in the chat, it was a good point, said, it feels like people are expecting 40 players to go before the 21st pick. And look, we're all guilty of doing that from time to time. The picks yeah. don't exist in a bubble. You can't say, well, I, you know, I don't think Alave and Davis and this guy and this guy all would be there at 21 because right. you need to be able to name 20 guys that are going before them or aren't going before them, right? So we just did that exercise in real time, and it was probably a little confusing. I probably could have cleaned it up a little more. We, I sort of brought that up on the fly. But, I mean, that kind of becomes the game here. If you're focusing on those guys, this isn't to be negative. This is just to kind of let's let's put it out there. Let's demonstrate it in practice, right? Yeah. If you want Olave, if you want Jordan Davis, if you want Jamison Williams, that's the game you have to play. It's, okay, well, who on that big board, call it TTR, true talent rating, whose true talent rating is going to put them above where they're supposed to go? That's kind of the game you have to play with all of this. And we just did it, and it feels right on that line. I don't know that I feel any more or less confident about any of those guys making it to 21 than I did before, but that's how razor thin it is this year, and that's how much of a wild card the quarterbacks have become. Yeah, and to relate it back to what's going on tonight, this is why I think for so many of these guys that are actually working out at that wide receiver position, their 40 times are, I think, going to weigh even heavier in a year like this because if you have right. one of these guys that doesn't run as fast as what they're projecting him to run, then that will definitely make him step out of the top 20. I think Chris Lave is one of those guys. If he ends up coming in at 4.48, 4.49, maybe even 4.5 flat, and he's a lot slower than people thought he was – then that's a concern, right? That that would be something that I think would knock him down the board a little bit. You mentioned Trayvon Walker, and I think he's a player that obviously not going tonight. He'll be on Saturday uh, with the linebacker and D-line group. But he's somebody that I think that we should talk about a little bit more for the Patriots at 21. A lot of people are very, very high on Trayvon Walker, like top 10, top 15 talent in this draft, that level of high. And he's the type of player, and I think we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday with him, that is a chess piece in the front seven. A true move him around, do it all chess piece. And you know that Bill Belichick loves to gravitate towards those types of guys. He's not somebody that is necessarily, okay, you're just going to play inside linebacker. Or Jordan Davis, you're just going to play nose tackle, right? Trayvon Walker can play end. He can play stand-up edge rusher. He can probably play off the line a little bit if you want to put him there or rush on the interior on passing situations. He's somebody that I think is going to be pretty high on the board as well for the Patriots just because of his versatility and all the different things that he was able to do in the Georgia defense. Now, you mentioned Garrett Wilson. He's a really interesting one to me as well because he is a guy that in the past – has not necessarily been drafted very high. 
He is 183 pounds. I don't think he's going to run a 4-3, right? I, I think he's going to run pretty well, but I don't think it's going to blow everybody out of the water. And when you look at his projection to the NFL, he is somebody that's probably going to be a slot receiver only and not a slot receiver in the aspect that like Jalen Waddle is a slot receiver, right? Or Tyree Kill right. is a slot receiver. He is a technical slot receiver. So I, I haven't talked a lot about Garrett Wilson at 21 for the Pats because in a lot of the consensus boards, he's a top 15 guy, right? And on the board that we use, he's 12 currently. 12 on the big but, board, 13 in the mock. Yep. Yeah. So he's going ahead of the Patriots in most mock drafts that you see in the media. But when you look at his skill set, when you look at his weight, when you look at what he's probably going to time in the 40, he's not necessarily the type of guy that goes top 10 or top 15 in the draft historically. I, I don't know how you feel about Garrett Wilson. I've always kind of been on the Olave trade a little bit more than Garrett Wilson, just because I thought Olave was more realistic. But now when this weight comes in, knowing that Garrett Wilson's probably not going to put up a 4-3, I am interested to have that conversation a little bit more of what Garrett Wilson would be like in this offense. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I, I didn't really pay a ton of attention to him just because I didn't think he's a realistic candidate. I still like Olave better. I think Wilson's probably better right now, but I think Alave, I, I think the floors are, are similar. Wilson's right. is probably a little higher, but I think the floors are similar. But in terms of upside, I think Alave has much more upside and more positional versatility too. You bring Alave in, he's probably, versatility, yeah. right. He plugs like Wilson's your slot receiver. That's what he is. He's going to be a good one, but yes. Wilson's your slot receiver. That's what he is. You bring in Alave and maybe he's your slot receiver year one, year two, you know, a couple years down the road, you, you need an X, you can move him over. You could realistically move him over there and he's still probably going to be a good player. So I understand why Wilson's projected higher. Like if we're doing an overall board, just like in general, you're starting a team, right? Wilson's probably higher on that board. If we're doing a Patriots specific board players, I, you know, I think the Patriots should take, given all the circumstances around the lot it would be higher on that board. Yeah, so the two two things that Garrett Wilson definitely looks better at on tape that maybe would fit the Patriots a little bit more. He is not as clean a route runner as Chris Olave is, but I do think his separation quickness at the top of the route is a little bit better. He's a little bit more explosive through the break point to create separation, but he doesn't get in and out of the break as cleanly as Chris Olave does. But he also, Olave runs more routes. Too. Yeah, he also runs, I would say, Olave is more of a vertical-based receiver, though, right? He's probably somebody that's going to be a get-up-the-field type of guy, whereas Wilson is that got a little bit of shiftiness to him that can play out of the slot, right? And you look at some right. of the things that he does after the catch, I think he's better in that phase than a guy like Chris Olave is. He's somebody that can be a little bit more shifty with the football, a little bit more slithery, elusive, whatever word you want to use. And I think that that's something that maybe gravitates a little bit more to the Patriots because I've been thinking about this and this is what I wanted to pose to you. As much as I love Jamison Williams and right. I love Jamison Williams, taking even the injury out of it is the best receiver to pair with Mac Jones, somebody that he's going to have to throw a 60 yard bomb to, to be effective. Right. And I think that Jamison Williams can win at the first and second level, but to really use him to the utmost of his abilities, he's a down the field receiver. 
And I think in some ways, Chris Olave is in a similar category. But when you look at Mac Jones, and this goes back to, I, I forget, I wish I remember who he said it to. I think it was the Karen of the Herald. Dante Skarnecchia said that the Patriots need to get Mac Jones, his Julian Edelman, or his Wes Welker, right. and his possession receiver in the slot that's a little bit better than somebody like Jacoby Myers. To me, that's not Chris Olave, right? Like, he can play in the slot, but you, in order to get him to the best of his ability, you want him to be getting up the field. Same with Jamison Williams. He can play closer to the line of scrimmage. You can use him on end arounds and jet sweeps and get him into space and have him run with it. But when you watch a lot of his tape at Alabama, it's bombs down the field, right? It's 60, 70 yeah. yard touchdown passes. Is that really what pairs best with somebody like Matt Jones or does somebody like Garrett Wilson pair better with Mac Jones that can be a safety blanket, be a Julian Edelman, be uh, even like a, maybe he's more like a Dion Branch or a Troy Brown type, right? Uh, bigger than those guys, I think, a little bit in terms of height. But those are the things that I think are interesting conversations to have if you're the Patriots is, is a down-the-field vertical receiver really what you want to pair with a guy like Mac Jones? So a couple things to that. It's, a, it's an interesting question. It's a very good question. I think there's other opportunity. I don't think you need to use, if, if you're talking about getting Mac, Mac is Julian Edelman. I don't think you need to use a first round pick on that guy. Right. This, That's fair. This class is so deep in the slot. Right. From Sky Moore to Wandale Robinson, Bo Melton, who was one of the few wide receivers who actually had a good way in. And we'll see what he does in the 40 tonight. Bo Melton's stock may be about to skyrocket. Uh, right. Bo, Bo Melton might be like zoomed in the stock market in February of 2020. Um, I, you like that one? Uh, the other thing about it is you talk about not wanting to get Mac a vertical receiver, but then you bring up, you know, Mechie or, or sorry, Williams, the way Williams won down the field, Williams, a good amount in Alabama won down the field out of the slot. And yes. they use that vertical slot. I almost feel like, Going off of Alabama's offense and kind of the personnel the Patriots have now, I almost wonder if you flip if they could flip the traditional roles. I wonder if that's the best fit for Mac and for the offense as a whole, where go get a vertical slot guy and then a possession guy that lines up on the outside. Because there's some of those in this draft too. And Kendrick Bourne may already be a guy like that, right? I, I almost wonder if you marry the two concepts where Go get go get Jamison Williams, run him out of the slot, but have him run, or, or you can do some Chris Olave too. Get Chris Olave, run him out of the slot, but let him stick to that vertical route tree. Mac had a ton of success with those kind of concepts at Alabama. And then maybe you figure out if you go out and you get one of those, whether it's Bourne um, or, or somebody else on the outside, or you have two, you run an offense with two slot guys. They'll do right. weird stuff like that. Don't do yeah. weird stuff. Like think about the mismatches you can create and we're getting way down the road here, but let's say you have, and I think this might be your dream draft Evan here. Let's say you have Chris Olave as a vertical slot guy on one side. And then sky Moore is your Julian Edelman type in the slot on the other side. And then you, well, you have either Bourne or Aguilar. I, I think he's going to go high. I think sky Moore is going in the second round. So you're, you're going to have to draft him pretty high. Maybe uh, but, you but just get, that, that, you know, in right. theory, that sort of stuff. Right. Maybe you can get Chris Olave in the first round and then somebody like Kyle Phillips or Slade Bolden later on in the draft, right? right. Who aren't necessarily as good as Sky Moore, but can still do some things. 
I just bring up the conversation. You mentioned about him throwing verticals out of the slot, slot fades, deep over routes, right? Deep crossing routes, things like that. I think Jamison Williams and Alave would both be really good at those and were really good at those in college. And when they had those opportunities to move those guys inside and and made those things happen, uh, they did it well. I, I just wonder, again, I don't want them to draft a receiver in the first round and have that guy turn into Nelson Aguilar in this offense, right? Absolutely. You don't don't want that dude just on the outside taking coverage and running wind sprints. Like it's, it's good. There's a, there's a place for it. The place is not at 21. If you want to draft that guy, you go with Christian Watson in the fourth. Right. Right. And just pay Nelson Aguilar a little bit of money, but you're not paying him $20 million a year to take coverage with them up the field. So Again, I, I go back to Garrett Wilson being a nice prospect for them in the first round if he slides. You mentioned Sky Moore, who I absolutely loved watching him. I think he's going to be a really good player. He measured in pretty big today out of out of that group. He was probably the one guy that measured in with some size that people weren't necessarily expecting. He's a bigger dude than people thought. If you want to go day three, we're talking about your guy, Bo Melton or Slade Bolden or Kyle Phillips or some of those guys that can play inside. I do agree with you that maybe you don't need to go that route at 21. But I I find it interesting with Wilson because we haven't talked about him at all. And the way that he measured today, and then you add into that, that if he only runs in the four uh, mid four fours, that again, that's not typically the type of guy that you see drafted in the top 10 or top 15. Usually if you're at that size, you're Jalen Waddle, right? You're right. running in a four, two. And that's why you're making up for it. Garrett Wilson's not going to do that. So uh, I'm going to be interesting uh, to see uh, what ends up happening there. So again, yeah. wide res- go ahead. The one other, just the one other thing I'd say with those guys, when you talk about it, is a fit for Mac. I, I, I think the real guy they should get, and I don't know that, that any of the receivers in this draft, maybe Jahan Dotson, but I don't know that any of the receivers in this draft, this is their primary skill set, but there's some that are really good at it. Like if I could paint Max perfect X receiver, it's not not necessarily the guy's a deep threat, but it's a guy who can get open in the intermediate and then create after the catch. It's a guy who can get open 15 to 20 yards downfield and then make guys miss and turn that into a 40 or 50 yard play. And that yeah. to me is Jameson Williams. And again, that's not the best element of his game, but He's he's very, 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 very good at that. So when I look at those guys too, when I look, you know, you talk about we well, don't want to draft the next and just have him be Nelson Aguilar. Williams did a lot of that at Alabama. The tape is there, there's precedent for it. So I would just keep yeah. that in mind too. Yeah. My other issue with this, and not to relate everything back to the coaching staff, but this is the talk in Indy, a lot of buzz in Indy about what the heck the Patriots are doing on the offensive coaching staff. When you draft a guy like Jameson Williams, and we had this conversation on Tuesday about Traylon Burks, are you confident in Nikhil, Nikhil, Kaylee, and Joe Judge, and Matt Patricia figuring out how to use a guy like that properly, right? And not turning him into Nelson Aguilar, right? And having him unlock a different dimension in this offense. I know Josh McDaniels had his flaws implementing certain guys as well, but that would be my concern is do they have the coaching infrastructure to use a guy like Jamison Williams a little bit more creatively than just taking the top off the defense. So it is easier for Matt Jones to get him the football. I, I don't know. I, I go back to what I said and that is I want them to draft somebody and then put him into a role that already exists in the offense because they don't have 
Bill O'Brien, because they don't have Josh McDaniels, because they don't have a real true offensive coordinator at this point in time, I don't want them to draft a guy that they have to craft a role for, that they have to figure out what to do with. I want them to draft a guy that they already know what to do with. And I think that in that vein, I think Olave fits some of that too. Uh, I, I think Garrett Wilson certainly does. And maybe some of these guys that we're talking about on day two and day three out of the slot, like the Moors, like the Meltons, like the Holdens, those guys do as well. Maybe not the ceilings that some of these guys at the top of the draft have, but certainly the skill set that reflects the best into the Patriots offense. So I would just flip, and I, I agree with 100% with what you said. And that's why I'm wary of a guy like like Traylon Burks. Although, Shet, first good, like first great YouTube comment we had in a while. Somebody on Tuesday's video pointed out Burks could maybe fit into the role Josh Gordon had in New England. Yeah, which is an interesting comment. But yeah, I, I do agree with everything you just said. I would just flip it on you though. Do you think it's possible a receiver could be so talented that whatever role they put him in, he's going to be successful? Because if that guy, if, if if anybody fits that bill, it's Jameson Williams. I think Jameson yeah, Williams is just so good that whatever they ask him to do, he's going to be able to do it at a high level and produce. He's the only yeah. guy in this draft I'd say that about. But Jameson yeah. Williams, if he's healthy, knock on wood, I, I don't. I think he's so good that the coaching staff can't screw him up, even if they try to. He's he's yeah. unbreakable. I think that's how good he is. Yeah, no, that's a very fair point. I think that that's the type of thing that you look for in the draft in that position, right? right. You want to draft a guy, and obviously Jameson Williams is not going to be Randy Moss, but Randy Moss was kind of like that. They had never really had anybody even remotely close to Randy Moss's ability to stretch the field vertically. They never really had that element of their offense until Randy Moss got here, but Randy Moss was Randy freaking Moss and he just did it right. He just made it happen. He actually, if you listen to a lot of the uh, football lives and documentaries and stuff like that, that they did from 07 to 09 when Randy Moss was on the team, he taught Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels in a lot of ways how to use him. Right. Randy Moss would have conversations with Bill and say, well, if you're going to have me run a vertical and you want me to run a post, then I'm running right into the safety. So why don't you just have me cut across his face on a deep crossing route instead of a post? And that way there I can avoid the safety in the middle of the field. And they were like, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Just go ahead and do it. (laughs) Right. And then Tom Brady ends up throwing like 10 touchdown passes to Randy deep over routes. So those are the types of things that you hope, especially in the first round is that you get a guy that is so damn talented that it doesn't necessarily matter that the coaching staff doesn't necessarily know how to use him or that there's a specific role in the offense and how to use him and all those types of things. So, yeah, I'm with you on that as well. Uh, Other than some of these top guys that we've talked about, Alex, is there anybody tonight out of the wide receiver group that you want to see run that you are hoping is going to help his stock out? Um, yeah, I'll get, I'll just a couple guys further down there. We touched on Bo Melton a little bit. The, you know, supposedly he's going to run in the four threes. I think if he does, given his size and the size of the rest of the class, that could be a big deal. He's certainly somebody who should be on the Patriots radar. The two guys they met with at the senior bowl, Romeo Dubs, Christian Watson are both guys who are going to have a lot of their draft stock predicated on that 40. I'll give you another one, too. This is a guy I kind of just started watching. I really wasn't that familiar with him until, like, last week. Tyquan Thornton from Baylor. Um, he he was not on anybody's draft radar until last year. He had a breakout. He'd been playing senior. But he had a breakout year last year. He's a bigger guy, 6'2". He's really good body control on the edge. And I think what changed for him is 
he they really just used him on the boundary and kind of threw him 50-50 balls. They started throwing him the ball over the middle of the field this year, and he knows how to use his size to pick up yards after the catch. Uh, very much a developmental prospect. I'm not saying he's going to go, you know, first round. I think he's a day three guy, but, you know, I talk about that guy. Okay, who can who can get open in the intermediate and create after the catch? Well, Thornton kind of looks like he might be able to be that guy. Now let's see what he runs, though, because his speed looked inconsistent. Like every game you watch, he looks like he's running at a different speed. So uh, I don't know if you've watched him at all. He's just a guy I kind of picked up late and I've been interested in. So I uh, want to see what he runs. And I, I do want to bring up one quarterback for tonight because when there the Patriots play, when the Patriots play, I, I'm sticking to this take because I, this would be a great victory lap if I'm right. When the Patriots played the Falcons back on that Thursday night game in November during the week, Bill Belichick raved about Felipe Franks and how Felipe Franks is a third string quarterback. Andy plays tight end. Andy covers kicks. And he's just a really difficult player to game plan for. He also brought up Taysom Hill talking about that. Does Bill want a Taysom Hill? Now that Tom Brady's not in the picture, it becomes a little bit more realistic. And so who in this draft could that be? Well, I thought it was going to be Will Levis. He's going back to school, the quarterback from Kentucky. But Kent State's quarterback, Dustin Crum, 6'2", 210. He ran for double-digit rushing touchdowns this year. I think it was 12. Uh, It's just really, really good, really electric with the ball in his hands. He's a bigger guy, too. It, it, and look, they've had success with Kent State gadget players. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can think of at least one off the top of my head. So I, I don't like I'm not saying they should go out and draft Dustin Crum. What I'm saying is he's probably the closest thing to a Taysom Hill there is in this draft. Seeing how well he moves at the combine kind of helps with that evaluation. So if the Patriots are even considering going down that road, I would yeah. think Crum would be the guy they're looking at. And tonight would have a, a large say and well, are we going to keep pursuing this or is he not the guy we think he is? Yeah. Ken state quarterback, right? I mean, can't, yeah. can't rule it out. The, the one guy I did want to talk about, I mentioned him briefly earlier. We haven't really talked too much about Kyle Phillips who yeah. uh, went to UCLA played in Chip Kelly's offense at UCLA. They used him basically like he was a West Welker, Julian Edelman clone uh, there uh, in LA when I watched his tape, I didn't necessarily see a dynamic route runner, right? I saw somebody that knows how to run routes, super, super crafty, uh, does a great job throwing fakes and jabs and things like that, that get people off balance and, uh, you know, be able to create separation and things like that, but not a run away from you type of guy and not necessarily the high end explosive athlete that I would hope that the Patriots would necessarily go for, but maybe he proves me wrong and maybe he works out really, really well. And I have to do another study of his tape and kind of go back and and see what maybe I missed out on there. But when I look at his ability to separate at the second and third levels, average uh, his separation quickness average, uh, but he does have a crafty heady route running ability about him. And you can't rule out the UCLA connection. I, I do think that there's something to be said for that for a while until Chip Kelly moves on from UCLA. I think the Patriots are going to have a connection to that program. And that's going to be a friend of Bill that might gravitate towards in terms of draft picks. There's that story. I believe it's also in the Herald about how Bill Belichick ran into Kyle Phillips in the hallways at UCLA or something like that. But that's exactly the type of guy that I think that they could look at maybe 
fourth round, right? I, I don't think yeah. that he's a, 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 a top 100 talent in this draft, but maybe he is there in the fourth round, end of the third, someplace around there. Uh, that, I think, will be uh, an interesting name to watch out for. So Kyle Phillips from UCLA, uh, that's someone I think uh, the Patriots will have their eyes on tonight as well. And uh, we will then turn the page tomorrow uh, to probably the – position group that matters least in terms of how they actually work out at the combine, but certainly an area of need at offensive line for the Patriots and offensive tackle in particular. Uh, those guys will work out tomorrow night on uh, NFL network four to 11, I think again, and uh, we'll see some potential left tackle options there for the Patriots. I would add it's, it's running backs tomorrow too. And that one is significant. And somebody in the chat the did just bring up automatic for drafting a running back. It feels like, because that's the one position that they really feel dead set on constantly keeping stocked, right? No matter what happens. And you look at a guy like Damian Harris, who's what entering year three now for Harris 19 yeah. draft, right? So yeah. year three, he's only under contract for two more seasons. This is what they do, right? They, they keep that position stocked better than maybe any other spot in their depth chart so yeah uh running back I, you're right you can't you can't totally sleep on them taking actually no back. harris is entering contract here see year four already 19 20, yeah 20, yeah no because he came in 19 and then with cam and then mac last right. year so right yeah. no I, I i think it's and look I, you kind of make fun of them for that they like keeping it stocked mr running backs don't matter i think that's exactly how you should handle the running back i don't mind year. when they take Ramondre stevenson in the fourth round or damian harris in the third round. i just that's all i think between damian harris being in a contract year yeah. and then not having a third down back on the roster right now because james white and brandon bolden are both pending free agents they're both also over 30 it's a big year it's a big year for for the pay and don't don't give me oh they can take somebody and plug them in they missed James White badly last year. No, James they really missed him. Pass catching is different, right? When you bring the pass catching right. element into it, we're different here. And why they are not going to resign Damian Harris. I would be shocked if they give Damian I, Harris a contract extension. So Ramondre Stevenson's probably going to be the 1A at that point, but that means they need a 1B, right? And whether that's a rookie, most likely is not going to contribute. I know we said the same thing about Ramondre Stevenson and we were wrong on that. Ramondre Stevenson had proved us wrong and ended up playing as a rookie, but is the lightning going to strike twice in two years and they're going to draft another rookie that's going to contribute right away. Talking about next year, right? When David Harris right. leaves, are they going to move on to a rookie running back to back up Ramondre Stevenson? Well, Who knows? Now you're talking about them drafting two running backs. I'm talking Evan about Lazar, them. Evan Lazar, Mark, the yeah. date and time, Evan Lazar campaigning yeah. for the Patriots to double dip at running back in the NFL draft. Uh, it, it kills no, me. But you, can, can't, you can't, it just kills me in this draft in particular. I know they're going to trade down. I know they're going to get more picks, but when you only have six picks to take another running back with a, with a high priority pick, like they so, take a running back in the sixth round, that's fine. Right. But don't use so, one of your first four picks on a running back. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You, and you just admitted the pass catching back is a very important role. It's an important role, absolutely. Is it one of the, is it one of their six biggest needs? I, I think, it, think might so. be, it might be six. Wide receiver, tackle. Yeah. Every position corner. on defense. Wide receiver, corner. tackle. Wide receiver, tackle, corner, linebacker. Those are the big four. We all agree with that. Right. I think linebacker, I, I think a defensive line is ahead of running back. I think they need another impact player on the D line, ideally. So, so, you know, 
So it might be six still. It might be six. I would go yeah, free safety, then running back, then defensive line. Yeah. Defensive line some- does feel like the position that they might be on just as have so many guys coming back that are under contract. Even right. if you're not super right. high on Dietrich Wise or Devon Godshaw, all those guys are coming back. So they've also got remember Byron Coward didn't play last year. And he's yeah. coming back. Right. I'm like a sneaky fan of his. I'll just they got look, guys on the roster at that spot. Pass catching running back. Yeah. So you, you there's an argument for it being top six with six picks. So the other this thing is, is the defensive line. Behind, Alex. This is a take you can get behind right here. I just said get... that the other day. <laughs> no, but seriously. I, seriously. I don't hate it. I don't especially the way that he, he was a running back most of his career. Yeah, especially the way that he measured in today, right? I, I think that there is a chance that teams might not view him as a true wide receiver right he might right. be somebody that's gonna have to do some things out of the backfield that's gonna have to time montgomery that guy right guy. yes exactly yeah no I, I want if they draft wandale robinson yeah turn him into that third down back and then you line him up in the slot on occasion great that would be a great pick that would be i mean if they do that matt grow wins executive of the no uh if they do that though i, I that would be <laughs> it's a little more forward thinking than they've been in the draft in recent years but i think that would be a great move I yeah, it's like it's a tough one. It's a tough balancing act because they do have immediate needs right now that they need to fill, right? right? And they do have a desperate need, uh, specifically, I would say, at linebacker, but also at receiver, just for high end talent at that spot. But with Juwan Bentley and Dante Hightower as free agents, they might just need bodies at linebacker. Like it, it might just be that simple yeah. that they need starting caliber bodies at that spot. You also look what might end up happening at cornerback with JC Jackson. Those are things that, you know, are probably higher priorities than, let's say, left tackle or running back. But the Patriots are one of those teams that typically looks at what are our needs going to be in 2023, 2024, right? Not necessarily just this year, but what are our needs going to be in a year from now or two years from now? And let's stay ahead of those things. They might look at running back and, and tackle as one of those two things that Yeah, we might have other positions that we need to fill immediately, uh, but those positions we can't sleep on completely because we are not going to have Isaiah Wynn on this team next year. We're not going to have James White on this team, and they're going to have to be able to figure those things out. Can we answer one more question here before we wrap it up? Because I just think it's a hilarious question to ask at this point. Projected UDFAs? Oh, my goodness. Slade Bolden's not going to be a UDFA. He's not. He's not. He's going probably to the sixth round. Yeah. I'm trying I, to find you. You go. You want to go first? I, I got to find this stat. If we're going, you we got to go all the way down. All right, we got to go. No, I have a guy. I just want to find the stat that that makes my point. Okay, I I got it. You don't man. have anybody, do you? I don't know if I can go deep enough to go to UDFAs yet. I I I, I am not sure exactly where some of these guys are going to end up falling in terms of wide receiver. I. I I always like some of these UDFA wide receivers for the Patriots because oftentimes those guys fall out of the draft because of athletic limitations, but they're smart people, right? They're smart. They're smart players, kind of like in a mold of Jacoby Myers. So maybe they go that route with that. You know, we're talking so much about double dipping at wide receiver. Maybe they go the 2019 draft route where they draft a guy early and then they pick up a guy they like in the UDFAs. Uh, Give me yours and I'll I'll look at a list here to figure something out. The guy you're just talking about, by the way, is Jalen Naylor from Michigan State this year. 
I don't think Charleston Rambo is going to be UDFA. I've seen some people say he might be. He shouldn't be. Uh, Jalen Naylor from Michigan State. So I like Aaron Mosby from Fresno State. You dislike him because his name no, is Mosby. No, I knew you were going to say that. Yes, I knew no. you were going to say that. That's can't. not why. Evan, I'm going to tell you why, and you're going to be embarrassed that you just even brought that take up. Here's why I like Aaron Mosby from Fresno State. He was recruited as a safety in 2017, played the full year at safety. Next year, they moved him to cornerback. He's also in a hit sitcom called no, – okay. just, just hang on. The next year, they moved him to cornerback. He plays corner. The next year, they moved him to linebacker. He plays two years at linebacker. And then they turned him into an edge rusher. And he primarily rushed the passer in 2021. This guy has played a full season at every level of the defense at Fresno State. How is, how is Bill not going to be all over that guy? And you thought it was because of a sitcom. No, it's because he plays literally every position on defense. Aaron Mosby, Fresno State. I think it's mostly, though, because of the sitcom, right? Evan, honestly, honestly, I thought his name was Mosley for the longest time. I re- uh, was, uh, yeah, Mosley for the longest time. I really did. Okay, I got one for you. This one was brought to my attention uh, by uh, Rich Hill on Twitter the other day. And uh, that is Noah Ellis from Idaho. You talk about okay. late late nose tackles, right? Guys that Oh, I love this. The guys that are just gonna take up space, not difference makers necessarily, but he was an east-west uh, shrine bowl guy. He's somebody that is kind of like your your guy um, Mark Hall from Kentucky, right? Mark Hall, just, yep. Yeah, just four hundred pounds. You're gonna stick him in the middle of the defensive line. Really good production at Idaho. I don't think he's gonna get drafted necessarily because he's obviously not the greatest athletes with the type of frame that he has. Uh, but I, I'm interested to see uh, this guy, and I, I think maybe he can make an NFL roster. There you go. No Ellis. Great, great job asking about UDFAs during a combine when we don't even know what the board looks like. That's awesome. That's great. So, yeah, that's what, like The people who watch this show get what this show is. That's exactly what this and show And then, is. of course, you brought up a guy named Bosby. So there we go. I, Evan, that really has absolutely nothing to do with it. I promise you. I he know, plays I at all four levels of the defense. Okay, uh, just really quickly, Noah Ellis, 6'4", 347 pounds is what he measured in at the uh, Shrine Bowl. So yeah, that's – Yeah, Just stick that guy on the nose and see what happens. Really, really quickly, Andy Isabella, any interest at whatsoever? Uh, former UMass star, really, really good tape in college at UMass, ran a 4-3-1 40-yard dash a few years ago. He has requested a trade from Arizona. He had one catch for 13 yards all last year for the Cardinals. Couldn't get on the field with Arizona. Any thoughts? He's not. He's not. He's not Wes Welker, right? Like he's a vertical slot receiver. Also, he's somebody that definitely gets up the field more than is that shifty underneath option route type of guy. But uh, an interesting one. You probably could get him for next to nothing. I know some people have thrown out the Harry for Isabella swap. I actually think that Kill Harry has more value than Annie Isabella does. So maybe oh, that's. Isabella and a pick, not a good pick, but a pick uh, back to the Patriots for Isabella, right? Maybe something like that uh, for Nikhil Harry, excuse me. Uh, But do you have any interest in the player, Annie Isabella, at all? Like, I'd take a flyer on him. If it's it's Nikhil for Isabella and a pick, I would do that more so just because you get the extra pick. We talked about they don't have enough picks. Um, Right. He's also, like, his cap hit right now is one and a half million. That's not a ton, but it's also not insignificant. 
I would. I don't think anybody's gonna trade for this guy. I would no. supposedly, and you reported this, and a couple of people reported this. He yeah. he wants to play in New England, right? Yeah, has some interest let, here. Yes, let them cut him. Let the Cardinals yeah. cut him, and, and you're probably a leader. And then you know you can bring him in for eight hundred fifty thousand, whatever the minimum is. Right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Sure. I'll take it. Right. Basically. Right. I'll take that flyer all day. I understand that we hate Nikhil Harry here. I understand that everybody – he definitely has more value than Andy Isabella. Yeah. Like, let's stop it. Andy Isabella has had one catch all out of right. here. And all here's the, the difference. Year. One catch. If you're another team looking at these guys as potential trade targets, yeah, Nikhil Harry is a guy who is playing out of system. Like, I'm another team looking at Nikhil Harry and saying, right. well, they're asking him to do things that aren't his strengths – I'll trade for him and ask him to do what his strengths are, and he might be better. I'm looking right. at Andy Isabella. Here's a guy who is a perfect system fit in Arizona and still can't produce. So yeah. it's not like I can ask him to do anything different to increase his production. It's purely a change of scenery thing. So that's why – not that either of them have tremendous value. No, that, I, I'm not saying Nikhil like, Harry has any right. value. I'm just saying he has more value than Andy Isabella. Nikhil, that's all. As, an, as a neutral observer, take, your, take yourself out of New England for a second. If you're one of the other 31 GMs or 30 GMs looking at these guys, Nikhil Harry's tape offers more optimism, more room absolutely. for improvement than Andy Isabella's does. That's the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I think Andy Isabella and maybe even just a fifth for your boy uh, Matt Ariza, right? Yeah, I, I, I would do that just to get the fifth. Forget yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Fifth round pick is probably the least valuable pick in the entire draft just based off of, uh, you know, yeah. look at the fact that the difference between a fifth and a seventh really all, isn't all that much. The fifth round is the special teams round for the Patriots. Maybe they take Andy Isabella and a fifth round pick for Nikhil Harry. Maybe you even get something a little bit better than that. I don't think you will, but maybe you can get two day three picks or something like that uh, for Nikhil that, that's the way that I look at that trade. I, I think Nikhil Harry for Andy Isabella is straight up. The, the Patriots are giving up a little bit too much there, in my opinion. I would agree. I'm with you 110%. When you watch Nikhil Harry's tape, another team is not going to say, oh, snap, that's a 1,000-yard receiver that we can get from the Patriots in the, because they're not using him correctly. But they are looking at him and saying, he's a big-body guy. He can block. We can use him in the red zone maybe a little bit. I think that they have more tape to back it up, like you said, that there is something a little bit more there uh, for you to sink your teeth into. If the Patriots trade for Andy Isabella today, the only thing that I could pull up to be optimistic about bringing him in is his college tape. <laughs> like There right. is no tape from him against uh, from Arizona. Maybe I could look in preseason. Maybe there's some preseason Arizona tape that you could pull up of Andy Isabella. So uh, that would be an interesting move for the Patriots, though. Isabella coming back uh, to the New England area, Nikhil going back out to the Arizona state of Arizona, you know, both going back to their college programs. I know Nikhil Harry uh, lives in Arizona for most of the offseason, so I think he'd be pretty happy about going back out west. I think that would be something that he would welcome as well. So we'll see. Uh, I think that that's a possibility, but I wanted to get to that quickly. All right, let's go watch the drills. Go watch the combine. Alex and I will be back on tomorrow. We will recap what we see tonight out of the wide receivers. We'll also talk about offensive line and running backs, apparently, too, where you're talking to me into the freaking oh, running come, backs. Come so on. You know it's back. important. You admit it's important. The third down back roll is important. That's, that's all I'm looking for. But that's that, that's, that's who's working out tomorrow. 
that's just working out tomorrow. That's all I'm saying. All right. So Alex and I will be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll keep it right here on Patriots Beat and on Patriots Press Pass all weekend long during the combine. So stay right here with us, and we'll ca- carry you through all the way through until Sunday. But enjoy the combine tonight. Enjoy Celtics Grizzlies if you're going to watch some basketball uh, tonight as well. And we get, we'll see you guys all tomorrow. Thanks so much for watching. Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast, Patriots Beat, on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcasts for a lot more exclusive content right here on the CLNS Media Network.